Good afternoon. Uh, my name is Andrew Frazier, and I'm here with Jack Cox, and we're going to talk a little bit about a very important topic for many entrepreneurs and business owners, whether you're ready to sell your business now or um, at some time in the future, um, you know, you want to know, you know, is your business sellable? Um, and also, you know, if it's sellable, how much do you think it's worth at this time? Um, you know, the sooner you know those things, the sooner that you can, um, you know, work towards um, either making it sellable or more sellable and also being able to increase the value. So excited to be here with Jack. Jack, you want to introduce yourself real quick? Yeah, thank you, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for letting me join you today. I'm looking forward to this session. So I'm Jack Cox. I'm a uh, I'm a, a business intermediary, um, lower middle market M&A advisor. I have, a, I have a bit of a corporate background. I started with one of the large uh, accounting firms. And after that, um, you know, I got involved in helping small business owners understanding the value of their business and being able to market the business. This is an important asset for business owners um, as they, you know, as they move towards retirement. So um that's what I do now. I focus on the exit planning as well as the uh, sale of the business. So that's it. And thanks for having me, Andrew. Okay, great. Thanks, Jack. Um, definitely look forward to kind of going through some of this stuff. Um, I know you got a tremendous amount of experience and some great things to share. And we'll just sort of tag team it. Um, you know, both of us work on different sides of helping businesses um, grow as well as um you know, being able to plan for their succession and prepare for it. So, so let's take a look. Um, you know, first thing that's important is really just understanding, you know, the statistics, you know, understanding, um, you know, the history, you know, what, um, what it looks like for um, selling a business. And, you know, there's a, there's a few things that are a little bit surprising about selling. Um, you know, number one, most businesses never sell. Um, most businesses are just closed down at the end, which is a shame, you know, especially if you put years of your life into do running a business, um, only to have to close it down at the end. Um, you know, when you're looking at businesses, you know, the larger you are, the easier it is to sell. So, um, you know, if you're under 500,000, it tends to be very difficult. 500,000 revenue tends to be very difficult to sell. Um, once you get to the 500,000 to 1 million range, it becomes a little bit easier. Um, because, you know, one of the first things is if you're going to sell, you have to have created a business that can run without you. Because if you sell it, and it can't run without you, that means you have to sell yourself with the business and you have to stay on with the business until it can run without you. Um, so, you know, when you're talking about businesses between 500,000 and a million, you know, only 15% sell, but we're saying 15% of those seeking to sell. Um, so many businesses, you know, don't go the you know, distance in seeking to sell. So a really small percentage of businesses actually sell in that range. You know, it's a little bit more if you get your business to a million to 5 million uh, in revenues, um, brings it up to around 20% of those seeking to sell. Um, you know, if you can cut, get to the lower middle market, um, you know, that increases to about 30 percent and you know in the full minute middle market around you know above 30 million then you know it comes up to around 50 percent so you know a couple things to take away you know the larger your business the more likely you're going to be able to sell it if that's what you want to do um also you know the longer you've been in business is helpful and then being able to create a business that can run without you um, developing your leadership team and being able to run your business without you. So the biggest thing to take away is, you know, no matter what your business is, um, it's not a certainty that you can sell it. And, 
you know, it requires a plan. You know, you just can't get up one day and say, I'm going to sell my business and be able to do it necessarily. So, um, so definitely going into it, it's important to know and understand these things. Um, you know, some questions you should ask yourself, you know, is my business sellable? A few questions that will help you to determine that, you know, first is your business making money? You know, if you're not making money, then it's kind of hard to sell something that's not making money. So one of the first things is, you know, you need to be making money. Um, and that drives the value of your business. Um, second thing, who do you think would buy your business? You know, you want to think about, um, what's the best and most likely candidate and what would they be looking for in your business and why would they buy it? And what, what would they value about your business? So, you know, it depends. Sometimes that might be a competitor. Um, sometimes that might be, you know, someone who's looking to get in the business. Um, sometimes it might be, you know, you might become a portfolio company of an investment firm. So there's different ways to sell your business, but thinking about, you know, who would most likely buy it is, uh, is a key question. So, um, so definitely looking at that. And then, you know, like I said, can your business run successfully without you? You know, if your business can't, then that's something you need to work on unless you want to sell your business and still be an employee. And then finally, um, you know, the ultimate question, you know, trade places, put yourself in the place of a buyer and would you buy your business? Why or why not? How much would you buy your business for? Um, and because that, that can give you an additional perspective um, that sometimes, you know, we always think about what we want, but we don't always think about what the buyer may want. So, you know, hopefully these are some questions that you can ask yourself um, when you're thinking about um, selling a business. And then, you know, what is your business worth? Um, you know, like I said, one of the first things is think about what you think it's worth and why. Um, what part of your business is most valuable? Why would someone want to buy it? And what piece of your business is most valuable? Is it your product? Is your your sales pro process? Is it your current customers? <laughs> is it your ability to develop new products? Is it how you're scaling? You know, what is most valuable about your business? Because that's really what you're going to be selling and marketing. And then finally, what are the key factors that drive the value of your business? You know, what are things that can make your business more valuable? Um, because those are the key things to focus on um, when you're thinking about how to make your business more valuable. So, you know, these are some questions, some things you should be thinking about um, as you're um, considering selling your business. Even if you're not considering selling your business now, these are some things that you should think about um, for the future because you may want to sell your business in the future. So, I'm going to turn it over to Jack, who's going to talk in a little bit more detail about some of these things. So, um, thanks, that. Andrew. Yep. So we're going to try to pull together some of the concepts that Andrew's been speaking about, and we'll pull them together in the next couple of slides. So the first thing is, I think we want to look at the value of the business. So how do you determine the value of the business? What are the valuation methodologies that you would use? And there's there's three approaches. And on this slide, the asset approach, the income and the market approach, it's the old game show of one of these things is not like the other. So let's deal with that one first. The asset approach is usually kind of the, the, the outlier in terms of valuation, but it, but it needs to be performed. An asset approach is what are the hard assets of the business worth? So if the, if the business is capital intensive and not returning a not creating a good return for the owner on that capital investment, it might make more sense to, to sell the fixed assets and the fixtures than to try and sell the business. That oftentimes isn't the case. What may be the case is a business where the business owner also owns the property. So in those situations, sometimes the highest and best use of the property is not for the business. 
uh, a developer may be interested in buying that property for another reason. So that would kind of trump any kind of uh, valuation approach you could use because someone has a view of the higher and best use of the property that is greater than the value of the business and the property. So, so there it, it's neither of those approaches have to do with the ongoing operation of the business. The assets will either be sold, the truck and equi- trucks and equipment will be sold to someone else. The business doesn't continue. The property is sold and it's used for another purpose. But that is something that needs to be looked at as you go to value your business. The second approach is the income approach. Now, the literature on the income approach goes into talking about discounted cash flows, discounts for size, marketability, and and it, it can sound very complicated. The way I look at the income approach is, and first of all, you're looking at future cash flows of the business. What is the projection for future cash flows? Frankly speaking, the best proxy for future cash flows is what the business has done in the recent, in recent history. Adjusted perhaps for certain individual items, but that's a very good proxy. The second thing that you, you need to look at for a business is a business needs to cover three things. So I'm the owner of the business right now. It's, it's, it's compensating me for being the owner manager as well as my investment. So the buyer is going to put money into the business. That is an investment. They're going to put that money down. That investment is due a return. If they're the operator, if they are the, uh, the going to be the operator as well, they're due a salary. Those are two separate and distinct roles for the buyer. So they need to be properly compensated. The buyer may not run the business, but they need to engage someone in the business who is going to run it and needs to be properly compensated. And the third piece is servicing the debt. You're likely going to have debt, um, a, a borrowing that you need to service could be an SBA loan, could be a bank loan, could be a, a seller note um, from the seller. So, and there needs to be, lenders like to have debt service coverage. So the cash flow from the business can at least service the debt plus the 25 to 50% cushion. So when we, when we look at, this is the requirement to pay the owner's salary to service the debt, and to give the owner a reasonable return on the investment. And if you're hitting the debt service coverage, the owner likely is getting a reasonable return. But when you hit those three metrics, you can really calculate what the purchase price should be. And the purchase price needs to include not only what they're going to pay the seller, but any additional capital that the uh, the buyer may have to put into the business. They may have to bring some cash to the business. They may have to, to start the business because you, you typically don't buy the owner's cash. You keep their cash, uh, likely pay off their debt, and you've got to bring a certain amount of, of working capital into the business. So that would be the income approach. Jack, before, yes. before we go to the market approach, let me just um, reiterate a few key points. Okay, because you talked about um, cash flow, discounted cash flow. Yep. And, and when you're talking about cash flow, you're really kind of talking about profit. Yes. So, um, you know, revenue is not, necessar- not necessarily cash flow. So it's after expenses cash flow, um, which is key to keep in mind. Um, you know, one thing I found, you probably found is, many small businesses don't charge enough. So they may charge enough to make enough money for themselves. But you said that you also need to have an investment return above what you'd have to pay a salary of someone to run it. That is correct. So so definitely important to keep that in mind. And even just in general for you, 
you know, if you're investing in your business and you're working in it, your business should be making enough money so that you can pay yourself what you would have paid, would pay someone else to do your job and make a return a good return on your investment. So, um, you know, definitely, you know, those are key points and a lot of business owners may not really have been thinking about it that way. I want to loop back on what you just said about, are you charging enough? What I'm, what I'm putting in the heads of clients today is do you have the opportunity to increase your prices right now? Because in the, nobody ever wants to increase their prices. No politician ever wants to increase taxes. We understand that it's met with resistance. However, in in the current environment, there is an understanding that with inflation higher than the targeted rate, that there can be costs. So if there's any, any time where there's, an environment that is um, uh, accepting of the concept of price increases, I think this is a good time for that. So I'm just putting that in in owner's mind. Is it something you're comfortable doing? Because I think now is, and there might be a real reason to do it or just a, just a theoretical reason to do it, but now is the time to have that discussion. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. And, and a lot of times people don't even complain. You know, I, I've raised my prices like 25% this year and nobody said anything. So, um, you know, a lot of times, you, you know, as a business owner, you're delivering a lot of value, but you're not um, charging for it. Uh, but when you do, you know, people appreciate it because it's still, you know, the best value or, or, you know, you're still delivering what they need at a price they can afford. But the pricing shouldn't be based on, oh, I'm making a salary based on this price. It should be, you should be making a salary and be compensated for the risk the company, the the risk that the company uh, creates for you as an owner. So that's that's an excellent point. Um, The the market approach is, is based on the concept of efficient markets that, businesses generally don't sell for more or less than what they should sell for. And there are, there are databases for privately owned businesses that enable us brokers, intermediaries like myself to go in. I mean, they're available to the public. They're just a little expensive to have unless you're using it in your business to go in and look at past reported transactions. There's, and these are all, good transactions that are put into databases after some scrubbing and some reporting and they're and they're they're, they're quite thorough those those uh, those historical transactions can serve as a benchmark for what your company could sell for so you might go in and, and put in a search and get five to ten companies. And you, you can see that there are some outliers there. You really don't know the motivation of the buyer and the seller. Um, the, the seller might have been very motivated to sell. God forbid it was a death, a divorce, a disability that just forced a very quick and below market sale. Or the buyer could be a synergistic buyer that they were just going to really kind of take um, maybe the sales team, the customer list, and mold it into their current operation, and they were willing to pay more because of synergy. But nonetheless, you look at it, you look at averages, you might throw out outliers, and you can come up with a good market approach assessment as to what the business would sell for. And now you've got two approaches, because remember, we said asset was kind of the outlier, unlike the others. So you've got two approaches the income approach and the market approach that are yielding results. And now you've got to kind of look at those and say, well, you know, or let me, let me try and reconcile those two. Typically I found out, I find they're very close. They're very close. And the second thing is, well, if I want, wanted to reconcile them, how would I reconcile them? Well, in today's environment, you might say, well, my borrowing costs that you're going to put in your, that the, that the intermediary will put in the model is a little higher 
than over the last several years. So the borrowing costs would have been lower for buyers over the last several years. So the market approach might yield slightly better transaction prices than what the income approach might generate today. So that may be one of the factors that helps you reconcile the two. But um, ultimately, you're left with two pretty good approaches or, or views on what your business is worth. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. So, um, so, you know, saying what your business is worth, what can you do to increase the value? Now this is, this is kind of where the rubber meets the road. So going back to what it's worth, um, I've, I've seen somewhat, and, and this, and this also is kind of some of the characteristics why it's hard to sell a business. Let's just go through a, a you know a couple examples. I've seen I saw a valuation of of one company um, that I happen to be working with right now that um, I really like this company, but the the customer concentration is just too high. It's just too high to sell. And uh, when I met with the owner, I explained that uh, to the owner, and 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 I was also given a valuation that they had performed that said this company is worth over $5 million. Well, the math indicates that it is. Um, but because of that individual characteristic, I said, I, I don't think anybody would be willing to buy it right now. So, and she agreed and we're, you know, we're working forward on that assumption, but this is where you get into some of the characteristics that make a business sellable. And there's really four categories here, but there's kind of eight items. There's so when you look at sales and marketing, that that's that's quite similar. Sales, um, you know, the, the, first, do you have a sales leader? Um, are people trained in the product or service? Do they have? Are there quotas? What about what about sales support? What about the follow up? Particularly if the customer is is using a service or subscription, and what is the churn? You know, why do you lose? Why do you lose customers? Those are some questions you might ask on the sales side. The marketing side is: Do you have do you have a marketing strategy? Are you creating qualified leads? Um, is your product is your product priced competitively? Andrew just spoke about that. That um, you may not be charging enough marketing should should be of assistance to you in understanding what your product should be priced at. So those are just some examples of sales and marketing. When we talk about planning and operations, do you have a plan that incorporates all the key functions with KPIs and how to measure results? So do you go through a planning process? Um, I'm not talking about a budget because budgets typically are, we're going to increase revenue 10%. And we're going to be a wash and glee, and um, and then we just go on, and nothing changed, and also revenue didn't increase ten percent. We're talking about specific plans on capturing additional market share, um, on doing additional activities with the associated cost with it um, to to create a desired business plan. Operations is somewhat similar um, or somewhat closely related. Operations is the the sales and marketing group writing checks that the business can't cash. And what I mean by that is are we making promises that we can't deliver on? Do we have the physical capacity? Do we have the warehouse capacity to deliver on the things we say that we're going to produce? Do we have the intellectual capacity to deliver on the things? Do we have the right people um, there? Do we have all? Do we have the right service organization? Um, so the, the the infrastructure supporting sales and marketing needs to exist. The next category kind of is your human resources area, really your your leadership your leadership team. Are your various functions 
being led by the right people. Do they, and there's a series of related questions. I'm just giving a sample. Do they meet regularly? Are they aligned with their goals? Are they moving on the right direction? There is, in any organization, there is going to be kind of an, a natural tension between roles. For instance, sales may want to um, extend credit to a customer that finance doesn't find credit worthy. So they need to kind of understand that tension and how a problem like that is solved if, if finance is responsible for collecting on receivables, which they primarily are. If they can't collect on those receivables, they've got to get the sales force involved to, to explain to their client that you just really can't continue to perform a service without being paid. So that's the interaction of your various your various leaders and their various functions that needs to be in place. And your people, well, your people are really, do you have, you know, the book Traction kind of says it best. Do they, do they get it? Do they understand your organization's mission? Do they want to participate in that mission? And do they have the capacity or the capability to do that? So when you think about that, I think a lot of people that you hire all have the capability. Um, they may not have the desire to participate in those functions. So, you know, are, are the people, are they reviewed? Do they get feedback? Um, and, you know, is there, are there appropriate compensation plans for the people? And then the, the final area, finance and systems, put those together, finance and systems. So everybody talks about closing the books and records. You, you, you need to close your books. You need to understand where you are. Now, having said that, um, KPIs are very important. I was the chief financial officer of a company with over 500 million in revenue. And I would, I would sit down with the owner for 10 minutes a month going over the financials, which we had reduced to one page. The reason we were able to do that is we had excellent KPIs. And when we reviewed the financials, we always compared them to the results we expected them to be. I think we were so consistent between the results of the KPIs, how the KPIs flowed into the actual results. The, the owner wanted to close the books less than monthly, which, which I resisted. I said, you need that. We need that constant feedback to make sure there are no surprises because you don't want to see surprises late. But we had good KPIs. We had good, crisp books that closed. And we were able to kind of review the organization in, in that from a 30,000 feet view in that kind of level. We would meet with individual businesses and perhaps go through their business plan, maybe a, a deeper dive. But overall, that was the level of comfort we had with the with the finance and the systems we had in place to generate cap that to have the right KPIs and to predict and to predict our results. And legal legal is kind of well, it's it's your it's your contracts, it's your compliance, it's your uh, employment agreements. It also kind of can extend into human resources um, for the way to report harassment and things of those those nature. So legal is it's uh, it, you know it, it's somewhat broad in that it, it goes across various disciplines. I mean, do you have do you have a, a performance agreement for in operations for anybody you're employing to provide operational assistance? A warehouseman or or product or anything. So so that's that's where legal would be involved to support the business and making sure that things are being done as desired 
um, and that they, you know, and, and that and that that it is formalized in that manner. So those are kind of some of the things you can do to increase value. And I only look, there's other categories, but I think if you if you look at those eight, you're not overwhelmed. And I, I think that's what we want to do in this process where we're creating, creating incremental value. We want to hit the big stuff, but we don't want to be overwhelmed in doing it. Okay. No, great. So yeah, no, all, all those things are key. And, um, you know, it, it's really about implementing your processes and procedures so that your business can run without you. And um, all these areas are critical um, to be able to do that successfully and make your business sellable, more sellable and more valuable. So here's here's some strategies, I think. I'd, I'd start off, get a benchmark on on your on, on your business get a preliminary valuation by a third party using the methods that uh, uh, that we talked about the three approaches likely going to exclude the asset and then you go hard on the income and, and market um, now look at look at your company's strengths go through the eight categories sit down let's go through the eight categories let's grade each one on its performance and let's look at let's and it's a grade also for the total organization with with an eye to let's look and improve the things that are going to create the best the greatest value enhancement so i identify the value enhancement opportunities what are the things that that you're doing that you could make sales and marketing better if i'm if i'm surprised by my financial reporting well that's not that's not good. Um, and if operations is constantly struggling to meet the needs of sales and marketing, is there enough synergy there? Is there enough communication there that 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 things are um, th- things are couldn't be happening in a better manner? So those are some of the things you could do after you go through the eight categories and then set your goals for value enhancement. Here's what here's here's what we want to do. Here are the things in the scorecard I want to I want to fix over the next ninety days. Um, and you just go you, you go hard at them, touching base weekly, putting a putting a more firm um, assessment monthly, and then after ninety days, give it a formal rescore. It's not going to take long, but give it a formal rescore and see where you are. And also see, is this starting to impact my numbers? Is it starting to impact my profitability? Because ultimately, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to impact the profitability, impact the value of the company, the attractiveness of the company, because we want it to either be to run easier or when the time comes, we don't want to be part of the statistics on that first slide. Um, So number five is measure performance and repeat as necessary. So We've done 90 days. We've seen what we've done. What do we do for the next 90 days? Um, is that the point where you say, I'm, I'm going to sell the business? Or, no, 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 we're going to dig further here. As a matter of fact, I'm an owner, and things are working better for the business and less stress on me. I'm going to go through another 90-day cycle. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm keeping the business. I, I love being the owner of this business. So that's that's what you do and reset every you know every ninety days. So those are the thoughts on that. Okay, cool. So you know you talked about getting a preliminary valuation, um, which is good. Um, you know, one thing I've, I've run into is um, people can end up paying way more for a valuation than they should. Um, so what what should that run around? Yep. So let me tell you, let me tell you what I what I do. Um, so so when I charge for it, it's about it's about three thousand um, dollars for the whole for the whole assessment. Now I do it for any business owner who is 
just like I just want to I just want to know what my business is worth. I've also done it for several owners, and I really like this, where they come to me and they say, I don't need I don't need you to find me the business. I don't I I I I know the business. I'm gonna give you one example. An owner came to me and he said, I've um uh, I've agreed to buy a business. I said, okay, how much? Uh, and he told me, I said, what's, what's, what are the sales and what is the profit? And he told me, I said, okay, um, here's what you need to do. You need to really do evaluation on that business for what a good purchase price would be. So he said, um, so I said, look, what, what someone told you is to pay one-time revenue for the business. That that doesn't work here. You need to do an assessment and you need to come back with some methodical way to, to approach the buyer why that number doesn't make sense. I said, I don't care. I don't care if you use me. I don't care if you use somebody else, but do me a favor. Don't pay that price for that business that you just read to me over the phone. So he engaged me. I evaluated two businesses for him. That one in particular, it just we just couldn't get close to the price that um, he had previously discussed, and, and he felt that he goes, "I'm I'm so justifiably far off. I don't think we'll ever close that gap." And he bought the other one. Um, so you know, an, an, another owner came to me. He goes, "I've got everything here. I just don't know what to pay." So we went, we went through it and he goes, you're, you're, you're confirming what I thought I need to pay. And he goes, I just want to take your report and I want to slide it across the table to the, uh, to the seller. And I just want to go through it with him step by step. And this is why I'm looking to pay that. That's, that's fine. Do that. Um, I wasn't involved as the intermediary or in that sense, but it, 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 so it not only gives the seller good comfort, uh, when they go to sell, but buyers comfort that they're not, that they're paying the right, a reasonable amount or an appropriate amount for, for the business. So it's, I'm not, we're not talking about large discounts for marketability and all the other things. There's so many different reasons to do valuations, divorce, estate, um, various reasons. We're doing it for a transaction and we're very specific on what we're looking at and doing it for a transaction. And that's why we can, we can give a robust report for, for that amount. Okay. All right. No, definitely really key stuff. Um, you know, you talked about one times revenue and sometimes people sort of give you a rule of for thumb. And a lot of times it's the seller trying to get more money out of you. Um, but you know, you've also talked about more on profitability. Um, you know, when, when you have these rules of thumb, um, you know, what, what are your thoughts on them and how can someone test them? Yeah. So, um, rules of thumb, um, are kind of are published, um, and, there's rules of thumb for a certain amount of revenue and a certain amount of uh, a multiple of uh, profitability. First and foremost, I go to a multiple of profitability or cash flow, as Andrew said, because cash is what pays the bills. If you have revenue and you're not generating profit at the bottom, how are you going to pay your debt? How are you going to pay even the owner's salary. So although they are published, they're, they're really kind of published as a, as a relative comparison. They're not really useful in valuing any particular business. They may be useful in, okay, I'm looking at all these comparables. They're selling, for the, they, their revenue is the same as mine. Their profit is higher than mine. That impacts. So, so the question you ask there is, what is the efficiency of your business 
that is generating the same amount of revenue, but less profit. So you can look at it for that, from that perspective, but, and that's important and helpful, but I wouldn't look at revenue as the proxy for what the price is going to be. Um, if that distinction helps. Okay. And no, that's definitely helpful. And, and also I would say that, um, You've probably found this also. Owners always think their business is worth way more than the buyers or the sellers. Yes. And and owners have a lot of pride in what they have and what they've built. And that pride cannot be discounted. Um, but the market doesn't put a value on the sweat equity you had of 30 years in the business. It, it, it's, in, it's important from the standpoint that the business is sustainable and will likely continue to sustain if, if operated the same way. But, but that doesn't necessarily equate to, to a purchase price. Um, and unfortunately there are some, some people who, you know, really aren't, you see, you, you know, we've had discussions over the years with people who aren't making money at all, but the business has been in existence for X number of years. You have to really tell them that that's not going to be a, a contributing factor in, in, in selling a business. Okay. All right. Cool. So, um, you know, we talked about value building strategies and sort of covered a lot of stuff. Um, any questions? You know, we've got um, covered a lot of things. Um, anyone from the audience? have any questions any anything that you'd like to know a little bit more about um, based on what we've been talking about all right and you know definitely type your questions in the chat but um jack i got a question for you um you know many times nobody expects to die or have a divorce or plans to have that but, you know, because of that, many times businesses end up having to be sold. And um, most people probably aren't prepared to sell them. And the people who are selling them aren't prepared or know what, really know what to do. Um, how often do you see that? And what, what do you recommend for people to be able to... Um, you know, have a better situation if something either of those happen. Yeah. So um, I think really it's, and I'm going to make a statement and then I'm going to give you an example. I think it's important to think about your stakeholders and who are the stakeholders in the business. It is your employees, your family, your customers, um, those are all people who are reliant on the business. If that business can't operate with, uh, without you, then those are the people you're putting at risk. And how does that, how does that feel? Um, and I, I wish I could recall where I got the video. I'd have to dig it up, but, um, there's a private equity firm that, um, that tells a story of a business owner and they have the business owner on. And it's a, it was a small industrial operation. Uh, he owned it. He ran it. Um, and you could just tell by the guy, he just, he just loved his business and uh, he just loved running his business. And one day driving home, um, he flipped his Jeep upside down and, um, and walked away only to have his wife almost kill him, I think, as he described it. She goes, okay, now do you understand everything that is at risk if you do not, would not, did not survive something like that? Hmm. And that was his, that was his moment. And so what did he do? Um, because he still wanted to operate the business. He went out and sold a portion of his business to a private equity firm where he maintained a significant role in the business, but they also 
did things to the business that he really had been trying to do, professionalize the business. He, he, one of the things he said, he goes, we hired a CFO. He goes, he goes, you know, we just, we've expanded the business. The number of employees has grown and the business that he's now operating is bigger and better than the, than the one that, that he had. Um, and he still owns a piece of that bigger operation. So that was his view of, or his result. And he was, he was lucky to have that wake up call. Um, not everybody, not everybody has the wake up call and then is motivated to act as, as quickly and, and as thoroughly as he did. But that's what you have to think of. Who, who, who are the stakeholders that you're leaving behind? Definitely, definitely important. Cool. So, you know, definitely if, if you have questions, um, feel free to type them in the chat. Um, we got a couple other things to cover before we go, but um, we'll definitely cover your question if you put it in. So, uh, so now, what are the first steps you should do? So I think the first steps is let's get the valuation out of the way. Let's do that. Also included in that, let's do the business assessment of the eight key categories. That That's included when I do it, that's included in, in the valuation. So we, we do the, we do the assessment, we do the, the current valuation and financial analysis. But what I ask people to do is <clears throat> um, really just to have an understanding of their business. Just if, if you can take a look at your business over the last several years, take a look at your gross margin, take a look at your operating margin, put, you know, I grew up in, I grew up in the accounting world. The accounting world is all full of annual reports with financial statements and balance sheets and income statements that all make perfect sense to people in that world. It doesn't resonate real well to people outside of the world. It's just like, it's like a lot of numbers. Trends do putting things in charts and seeing directions and trends People respond to that. And that's what I, that, that's what I, you know, put it together for the clients. And then, then we, we see it, it resonates and, and it digs in. Some of the things you not only look at the operating margin, but uh, gross profit margin, but also look, let's look at the balance sheet. And this is somewhat topical because we've just had these regional bank situations. And what I've been saying to some clients is you have too much cash in the business, not from necessarily from a risk of a financial institution, but the cash is just sitting there and it's not working. So you have a non-operating asset that's in that business. All your assets should be working. So how much cash do you need to have in the business and the rest of it put into your private private assortment and, and, and have a financial advisor work for you or reinvest it in the business, but get it to work. So that's the other thing. And, and another thing I would, I would look at your business is invested in, you buy inventory, you sell that inventory and it becomes a receivable. So those are, that's really kind of in addition to your fixed assets, but those are kind of the investments that you're making in your business. How are you doing on accounts payable? How much of the accounts payable do you have to pay before you get the inventory turned into cash? So if you look at your inventory and your receivables and your accounts payable, is your accounts payable covering your investment in your inventory and receivables? If not, can you extend your payment terms? Can you pay later with the agreement of your vendor? Don't scare people and start paying late. Can you get paid earlier on your receivables to convert it into cash? Are you watching your aging? So, so various ratios and things of that nature, I think, really kind of help you tighten up your financial situation and, and, and have your balance sheet working for you better than it is just now. So that's it, your valuation, your business assessment, and the financial analysis. Okay, great. Um, so those are some of the first steps that you can take. Um, in addition, there are some other steps that you may want to consider. Um, you know, selling is not the only exit strategy. So are there other exit strategies that um, you want to consider? You know, are you thinking about passing it down to the next generation? Um, 
you know, are you thinking about um, making available to, you know, employee stock option plan? Um, so, you know, there's different ways and different options. So, you know, it's good to learn about them as well. Um, you know, are you ready to put your business up for sale now? Do you need to put it up for sale now? Um, you know, can you take some time to prepare for it at maximum value? Generally, that a good time frame for that is like three years before you're ready to put it up for sale. Um, so, you know, those are, you know, some key next steps that you should be looking at. Um, and, um, you know, definitely, you know, we've got a question here from Takira. So we're going to answer the, I'm going to let Jack answer that. Um, so, you know, what are some best practices for maximizing the value of a STEM company for putting up set for sale or leaving it to family? So, excuse me, what, what is a STEM company? Um, I think, you know, knowing Takira, it's uh, basically they do training and education around science. Technology. Of course, of yeah. course. Yep. The STEM Academy, yeah. So, first of all, the, the things that we're talking about, Takira, are really industry agnostic, right? So, there are just certain basic principles that you really would need to go through that that we we proposed on this call things to go through just to assess where you are and assess not only where you are in evaluation but where you are operationally with the with the eight key drivers so that's that now before putting up or sale or leave it to a family <clears throat> frankly i i see little difference in that process um so if you're putting it up for sale, obviously you want it to operate as, as well as possible. If you're leaving it to family, you want it to be set up for his, for success as much as possible. So either way, going through the process of getting evaluation, going through the assessment of the, the key drivers and, and, and correcting or addressing the things that, that should be addressed looking at your financial statements and are you maximizing the use of your balance sheet? All those things you'd want to have in place whether you go in, in either direction. Um, I hope that, I hope that helped. Okay. Cool. All right. So, um, you know, great question and appreciate your, your question to Kira. So let's, let's go back and, um, take a quick look you know we've covered pretty much what we wanted to cover today appreciate you taking the time to hang out with us um and um feel free to reach out um if you have any questions um this is once again seminar run through the small business pro university where we can help you to learn profit and grow thanks for joining us thanks andrew <laughs>